Welcome to the Smith and Rowland Show. Let's join our host, Alan Smith and Jeff Rowland. The silky smooth tones of our voices have reached the airwaves once again. Welcome to the Smith and Rowland Unplugged Podcast, where our brilliance and intelligence will dazzle you. The only thing missing from this podcast is that you can't see us, which would make us the total package. But now I introduce to you the inferior part of our team, Alan Smith. <laughs> I declare you cease to amaze me. Well, it, all of this oratory of of description that uh, I don't even know. Well, that's just beyond me how you create such stuff. Good morning, Mr. Roland. Good morning, Alan Smith. Uh, and world. Good morning, world. Uh, hello, world. Uh, we're so glad you're with us, world. We have survived Christmas once again. Yeah. Here we are, and we're talking about <clears throat> Jesus and all kinds of stuff this morning. And somehow or another, you've been hung up on this parable of the fig tree. Yeah, I just and, can't get that. That's about man. last week you brought it up to me. And ever since you brought it up, I've run into that fig tree at least once a day since. <laughs> now, I don't know what, there's what something the world, about it. There's just something what about it. Is. There's something about I woke that up fig the other tree. Day with the fig tree in my mind, and I just cannot get it out of my mind. I think it comes from that song you were singing the other day. You kept singing it about the figgy pudding. That's where what at Christmas there. I think it was that you Christmas know, song. When you bring things up, it just absolutely figgy. don't even remotely ring as figgy. true to me. You know, figgy pudding. Figgy yeah, pudding. what's that song? Figgy pudding. Figgy pudding. That's it. Pudding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. think that's what got you on this parable, well, the fig, fig tree. It is. Well, but we were. Well, what what have you got on your mind about this well, parable, the, of the thing, fig tree? The thing that just absolutely and assumptions can't be made at this point because you got to kind of frame it right. I am a pre-tribulation pre-millennialist. That's what okay. I believe doctrinally about in pre-tribulation, pre-millennial. Okay. Yes. So when you're looking at scripture, especially the setting of Matthew 24, and Jesus is giving all of the signs of his returning, if you are a pre-tribulation, pre-millennialist, there are no signs to precede the coming of Christ because of the doctrine of eminence. And I think that's demonstrated all through the Word of God. You know not what hour the day the Lord or the day that the Lord's coming. Right prior to in Matthew 24 to the Lord going from the second coming to talking about the rapture, he puts this parable of the fig tree in there and he says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put it forth leaves, you know that summer is not. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all of these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The Timing of this passage of scripture and how time links to it, as far as uh, if you look at the term generation as a time, a period of time, and you attach it to what Jesus said about the fig tree, you've got to properly identify the fig tree to understand what he's talking about. For, I don't know, probably my whole life, this has been interpreted as the fig tree being a symbol of Israel. That being said, if this generation shall not pass till all things be fulfilled, you got to determine what is the time period of a generation. The Old Testament points out that a generation is about 38 years. 
Well, it was 38 years exactly from Matthew 24 to Titus coming into Jerusalem right. in AD 70 and destroying the temple. Right. Fulfilling what many say, fulfilling what Jesus said, that one stone would not be left upon another, the temple would be destroyed. There are a lot of people who are all millennialist and who don't believe in a millennium or that are post-tribulation rapture people which uh -huh. that's a dying that's a dying breed i should say but there's still a lot left but there are a lot of people that take this parable of the fig tree and it helps to frame or build a foundation for their belief in all millennialism that we've discussed on other podcasts so this has been in my mind for some time you know i don't know if this will connect or not but we we just decided to discuss this stuff but me being a premillennialist does not mean that I necessarily date the writing of the book of Revelation after Titus came in and destroyed the temple, even though there is evidence to support that fact. There is internal evidence from the writing of Scripture that supports that. There's external evidence from the writing of the Scripture that supports that, and other documents outside of Scripture that supports the fact that John wrote the book of Revelation after Titus came in and destroyed the temple. There's also evidence to support the fact that he wrote it prior to Titus coming in and destroying the temple. The dating of the book of Revelation matters very little. I would say matters not at all to the literal context of the book of Revelation as to whether or not you're premillennialist or amillennialist. The literal context of the book of Revelation is written in such a way that it doesn't matter when John wrote it, it would still be interpreted, if you have a literal view of Scripture, it would still be interpreted the way that we interpret it as a premillennialist. When you get to this generation that will not pass away concerning the fig tree, there was a literal fulfillment of that when Titus destroyed the temple. But that was not part of the tribulation because there are things that are missing, such as right before the fig tree, the sun being darkened, the moon not giving her light, stars falling from the heaven, and the powers of the heavens being shaken. And this didn't happen neither. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That was not seen in AD 70. So when you get to this parable of the fig tree, I think it's important if we identify the fig tree as Israel to understand what signs are being fulfilled in that particular generation. And so that's just something that's, that's been going through my mind. I'd like, I want you to, to comment on it and tell me how you feel. Well, I think it goes back to, I think all of New Testament understanding has to start with the distinction between Israel and the body of Christ. If without that distinction, the Bible doesn't, New Testament, you have hard making sense out of it, unless you spiritualize the church as being Israel. So when you come to this prophecy of Joel, or when you come to this place in verse 29, as you were citing here, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened. Uh, that's in Matthew 24, verse 29. That is referring to the second half of the 
prophecy of Joel, which is in verse 20 of Acts chapter 2, verse 20. So you got Acts chapter 2 and verse 20, and you got Matthew 24, 29, and those are the same, talking about the same time. Jesus was actually citing also the prophecy of Joel there. And we're seeing it cited in Acts chapter 2. And we see it fulfilled in Revelation 6. And you see it fulfilled in Revelation 6. So Jesus speaks about it before the church of Acts in Matthew 24. Then John cites it, I mean, Peter cites it in Acts chapter 2. Now, it's amazing to me how Peter gives the first half of that prophecy in Acts 2, which is my spirit will be poured out on my servants, on my handmaidens. It says, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, fire, blood, fire, and vapor, smoke. So we see that between verses 18 and 19, and it says in 20, the sun shall be turned to darkness, moon to blood, which is the same thing spoken about in verse 29 of Matthew 24. So there has to be, there is actually, Jeff, what we call a parenthesis between, in Acts 2, there's a parenthesis seen between verses 18 and 19 and 20. There's a parenthesis in there. And if you don't make a distinction and see, number one, you got to understand, to understand the book of Revelation, you need to understand that there's a what we call parenthetical scripture. Parenthetical right. comes from the word parenthesis. And when you put a parenthesis in a sentence, it means a thought inserted into the sentence. So we see God does this all the time. God is parenthetical all the way through the scripture. All of a sudden, he'll just stick in a truth. And I think he does that on purpose so that people can't decipher the scripture. I think it's one of the hidden mysteries or secrets of the scripture, if you want to know the truth. So we see this parenthesis takes place in Acts 2, verses 18, between 18, 19, and 20. So we got a time period there called the church. Now, verse 19 picks up with the prophecy that Jesus is giving there in verse 29 of Matthew 24, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun and be darkened. Now, I'd like to speak a little bit, Jeff, uh, Jesus is speaking about immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now, some people call that the great tribulation. There's a difference in tribulation and the great tribulation. Yes. So we're seeing tribulation even now in these days. And we know that the first part of the prophecy of Joel has been given, which is in Acts 2, 17, Peter cites it. It says, shall come to pass in the last days saith God, I'll pour out my spirit. So we know that God's spirit's being poured out even now, but we're also seeing tribulations of the day happening, which will be what makes the difference in tribulation and great tribulation is you have the same tribulations in the great tribulations, except they're much greater. So therefore, when you see tribulation before the great tribulation, you'll think, oh, the tribulation period's here. There it is. I see the four horsemen. I see this. You know, you can see the four horsemen even in tribulation, but that's not the horse four horsemen of the great tribulation. That's exactly right. You see, and so we can make, we have to understand, you and I talk about it, and we will say you got the spirit of the four horsemen running yes, now, that's which right. we, know that, we know that's true, but we don't have the first horseman, of course, is the Antichrist, and the Antichrist is not here, well, he might be alive today, but nonetheless, the spirit of the Antichrist is among us, and that's mm-hmm. called tribulation, but when the book shifts into great 
Great Tribulation, which is, that's where you get some people believe in the rapture of the church in midway through the tribulation, Jeff, mm-hmm. is a pre-tribulation, says it's before that. Mid-tribbers have the rapture of the church halfway through, and they'll cite this type scripture saying immediately after the tribulation of those days, and they make a distinction between tribulation, great tribulation, calling tribulation the first three and a half years, great tribulation last three and a half years. So therefore, they'll some dispensationalists will put in rapture of the church where you have mid what we call mid-trib, the way they see the scriptures. But this is partly, if you can see what I'm saying, this is the scriptures that they'll use for that. But we know that tribulation's been on the earth for 2,000 years. That's yep. the part you can't deny. Historically, look at it. We can see tribulations has been here for 2,000 years. Look at the Jews and the Holocaust and all that. So you can't say the tribulation hasn't been here, but the great tribulation hasn't been here. So we know that we're living in this period. Yeah, I would just say, just to add to what you're saying, it's almost like there's a cyclical effect. The cycles of the signs, that many of the signs at least, that Jesus foretold of in Matthew 24, that we read about in Revelation, are in spirit form. They've been running since the moment they were spoken. That's right. And that's always been something that has stuck in me, that once God speaks something to the earth, it just it becomes immediately operational and effective right, at that right. moment, all the way till it's fulfilled. I'm a little bit intrigued over something when we're talking about the spirit of something, then the literal fulfillment of something. When you're talking about the spirit of something, you're into a different dimension. That's a right. different dimension. And the that's things right. that we've learned about time where we're at now is that time is not an exact measurement when you're in another dimension. When you're in the spirit dimension, time no longer is an exact measurement. When you have words like or phrases like this generation shall not pass away, and you're trying to define the time of a generation in the spirit of that context, time doesn't mean the same thing. When Jesus says immediately after the tribulation of those days, the word immediately, though it's specific in the spirit of that, time doesn't mean anything. It's time is different in that dimension. God who is outside of time sees everything at one time. So Uh if we view things based on time, sometimes I believe that will mess up our interpretation. However, Staying true to the literal context, I think, is important. And you're exactly correct when you say immediately after the tribulation of those days, there is a difference between the tribulation we face now Uh and the tribulation that is coming. And I do believe there is a distinction between the first three and a half years of the tribulation and the last three and a half years of great tribulation. There is a distinction made. Uh And so in the middle of that covenant that the Antichrist signs, that takes us into the last three and a half years of tribulation. Also, I wanted to just say this and get you to comment on it, Alan. It has long been thought by a lot of people, myself included, for a long time. I had the idea that the rapture of the church immediately releases tribulation on the earth. But there's nowhere that states that in the Bible. Well, I think that's where a lot of times people get the rapture and the second coming is the same event. We know it's not the same event. Now, it could be seconds apart. We know that. Or it could be years apart. Yeah, Uh, because the the rapture of the church does not trigger the tribulation period. The writing of Daniel describes that the tribulation period is triggered by the signing of the covenant between what we know as the Antichrist or this coming world leader and many other nations surrounding Israel. That's what triggers the tribulation and the great tribulation on the earth. The rapture of the church could actually happen, like you say, days, 
hours or years prior to the tribulation starting on the earth. Well, where we and get I the think- concept is at the rapture of the church that the believers are taken out of the earth. So we're assuming somewhat that the Holy Spirit is also pulled from the earth Without because believer, believers are taken out. So right. the question is, how long can the earth That's survive right. and not go into tribulation yeah, right. with, Without a, with a removal? Spirit, because yeah. we're, we're the persuasion that the Holy <laughs> Spirit's the only thing that's holding it back now. But I mean, I don't know that I could cite a verse. I'm sure some out there maybe could, but it's still that understanding that if the Holy Spirit's removed, that tribulation, it looks like, would almost have to start pretty soon. I would uh, agree, because uh, there's nothing to restrain the Antichrist it says, but the Holy Spirit. Right, right. And I, I agree with that. But there is still no exact measurement There is none that, I, not that I'm aware of. And that becomes extremely important. Just that understanding becomes extremely important to the parable of the fig tree. Yes. If we are identifying the fig tree as Israel and that generation shall not pass away. There's other scriptures that's just as intriguing to me when Jesus said there'll be some standing here that'll not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in power and great glory. I think that scripture that you just cited is in the same to be applied in the same time period, if you will. It is. Is the one of the fig tree. It's the exact same thing. That's who he's talking about, is that generation when that fig tree shows up, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. uh, That's the generation. Now, that generation, it appears to me, is not here yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, I take that back. They could be on the earth. But but that generation is the generation post-rapture. Yes, that's that's the way I take it. And that being said, if there is a, just say, a 38-year period of time or even a 31-year period of time between the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation period, then there would be a literal context here to which to put this in. Not only have we seen it in the past with the fall of Titus and the destruction of the temple, but we will see it yet again in a literal state that is yet exactly. future to where we exactly. are. So I think the this fig tree, but now it is it is somewhat intriguing to me that in these last week or so, this fig tree parable has come up to me every at yeah. least once a day. If you can hear what I'm saying, yeah. and I'm like, well, what is the deal with the fig tree? Yeah, and, there's uh, something there. There's right. something there about the fig tree that is being brought to my attention. And of yeah. course, we believe in the movement of the Holy Spirit, and we believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to us all today. And it's almost, you know, still small voice when he speaks to us. But nonetheless, we believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to us today. Yes. So, so with that in mind, I have to say, what is the deal with victory? <laughs> That's right. I, and you know what? It used to be a very, it was almost simplistic in thinking, and it was all based on time the dimension of Uh time that we live in, because we would point to the fig tree, the budding of the fig tree as happening in the month of May in 1948, when Israel became a nation. That was where it was placed in my childhood, especially that's where it was placed. Uh And it was preached that this generation shall not pass away. We're going to be here to see the rapture of the church take place was the way that was delivered. The problem with that, though, Alan, is that that in itself, that view in itself would violate the doctrine of eminence that existed since Jesus was on the earth. 
That's right. It would violate that doctrine. It would then say that, okay, well, this sign had to happen before the rapture took place. Me and you know that the rapture could have taken place the day after Jesus ascended. As a matter of fact, Peter was looking for him and preaching that he's fixing to come back. Now, from a dispensational viewpoint, you know, Acts 3 becomes extremely important. And me and you both know that, the healing of the of the uh, uh, lame man, and then Peter offering the message to the Jews, the Jews rejecting it. Then in Acts 9 comes Paul. We know all of the dispensational timelines there of Scripture. However, I would say that the doctrine of eminence would be violated if we view the fig tree as happening in night, had to happen in 1948. Also, if it happened in 1948, it's been 75 years since, the, since Israel became a nation. Yeah, and that's so, pushing the gen- that's pushing that's, the generation. We're pushing the generation time frame yeah. just a little bit. So yeah. I'm just saying that there is a possibility here of of, a, of an interpretation that I believe the Holy Spirit's fixing to give to us. Yeah, I do agree with you that it is looking like that's the way it's going to play out here. You know, there again, there has to be a distinction made between the body of Christ and the nation Israel. And you yep. got to remember, the church was a mystery. and The church was a secret, according yes. to Ephesians chapter 3. Yes. It's a secret. It was a mystery yeah. hid. It was hidden. He says that Paul says it was hidden in God yeah, that's uh, right. from the prophets of old. It was hidden that's in right. Scripture, and right. which has now been revealed. So you've got a time, but when we say this prophecy of Joel is split with the parentheses, the parentheses inserts the body of Christ, the church. Yeah. That is the parentheses. That is the mystery. And that's the time that you and I and everybody else on planet Earth today live in. We are, whether you realize it or not, you're living in the day of the mystery of Christ, which is the church. But there will yeah. be a day that this secret comes to a fulfillment, and it's called the fulfillment of the Gentiles, when this time becomes full, then this prophecy of Joel picks back up where the moon's darkened, sun's darkened, moon turns to blood and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I I also believe, Alan, you just talked about the fullness of the times of the Gentiles, which I think just the use of that phrasing itself speaks to the interpretive principle of there is the spirit of the word, there is the literal fulfillment of the word, and both exists. You cannot deny either one. The fullness of the times of the Gentiles, it began all the way dating back to Acts 9. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yes. So since Acts chapter 9, we've been living in the times of the Gentiles. And when those times are full, so the spirit of it has been with us the whole time. But it's going to be literally fulfilled. And when those times are fulfilled, then we're going to see the Son of Man coming in power and great glory. So I'm just saying that that does validate to me the interpretive principle of you've got the spirit of the word and then the literal context and you can't deny either. And if you look at the spirit of the word and say, well, these things were fulfilled then. No, no. The spirit of the world is cyclical. It's been going on and going on and going on, just as you pointed out. Titus comes in and Israel is dispersed. You have the persecution of the Jews that has led all the way up till 1948 when Israel was in blindness. And I believe that in 1948, that began a process of starting to remove the blinders from their eyes. And in spirit form, 1948 leads Israel all the way into the Great Tribulation when all of Israel will be saved at that time, at the end. Well, it's hard to, I see no way to understand Scripture unless you understand the mystery of the church. 
Yeah, you can't. Uh, you just can't. There's absolutely no way that you can understand it. And, That's right. But since we have the revelation of the scriptures, we know that this mystery of the secrets now been revealed. Now the nation of Israel, I believe, starting to wake up. They're not there yet. The blind They're not there not yet. Off. They still do not believe in Jesus. That's yeah. right. But now there are 340 churches in Israel that's spreading the gospel. That's today. So blindness wow. is starting to be removed from their eyes. And that's what the tribulation is about. It's to bring an end of sins, to finish the transgression, to remove the blinders from their eyes. And this tribulation that's coming upon the earth is a tribulation like the earth has never seen before, nor will ever see again. The scripture points that out. So if you think about what Israel has went through in the Holocaust and other things, they're going to go through even worse tribulation. As a matter of fact, they are instructed to flee to the mountains and don't even take a coat and pray that it's not wintertime when you leave. All of these things That's they right. are told to do, and we know that Zechariah says that two-thirds of the Jews will be destroyed. However, <laughs> at the end, all of Israel will be saved in answer to Paul's prayer. So that being said, right. Alan, this fig tree parable could be the parenthetical between that's right. Matthew 24, 29, and the passage that follows the parable of the fig tree, which says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only, as in the days of Noah were. Right. So, so this could be the parenthetical, and we could interpret it that way. That being said, in spirit form, yeah, we saw it with Titus coming in, but it will literally be fulfilled yeah, right. at yet a, a, a later date. I yeah. think that's exactly right, Jeff. You know, there's a, it says it takes figs three to five years to ripen. So mm -hmm. you have a buddy, the budding of the fig tree in that parable. But also, it makes you wonder if, when does the, if it has when's anything to do ripen? with, the, yeah. yeah, when does that's the right. fruit ripen? That's because exactly it stays right. on there three to five, stays on there. In other words, you'll have ripe fruit on a fig tree and green fruit just yes. being budded. Just coming right. on the site fig tree. Of course, yeah. of course, the fig tree is kind of like grapes. It yeah. only blooms on the new growth. That's it only right. blooms on the new growth. And yeah. it's that new growth. So we see in 1948, Israel, we see new growth starting. But the thing we don't have, Jeff, is we do have Jews in Israel, but we don't have Messiah believing Jews in right. Israel. That's right. They still believe that Jesus, most of them don't even recognize him as a as a good teacher. Yeah, most of them right. recognize Jesus as being a revolt against the Jewish leaders of that day, yeah. trying to, to cite a revolution. And because of that revolution he was citing, was trying to bring about that they killed him, put him on a cross. That's yeah. the way uh, most Jews believe today. So I am told, but makes sense. That's that's mm -hmm. they don't even call him a good teacher like that's uh, right. Mu like Muslims do. Muslims exactly. It was a they, they even, even call him a prophet. Yeah, yeah they yeah, that's say right. he was a prophet. But the Jews, we got to understand, uh, the Jews today do not do that. Mm -hmm. So they are still in a they are in their homeland, but they're still in a blinded state also. So we can't forget that. But this fig tree prophecy is continually coming up in my personal life. And I'm wondering if the Holy Ghost is, I'm not saying he's saying it to me personally, but he might be saying it to the body of Christ. Hey, everybody need to sharpen up on your fig tree prophecies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think I do believe that because, <laughs> because it's supernaturally coming up. 
There's no it's doubt. supernaturally coming up. And uh, if you need to sharpen up on your fig tree prophecies, I'm persuaded that's after rapture of the church. I am persuaded it is even probably talking about the great tribulation time period. But you know, Jeff, in these times, you know, Peter, Jesus was talking to Peter out there on the water and he told him to get out of the boat and to walk towards him. And then when he got his eyes off of Jesus, he'd start sinking. So I think we're living in a time if you can hear what I've got to say here, I think we're living in a time that the people of God are going to have to be able to walk on water in the spirit, so to speak. We're going to have to have the faith to walk on water. And our key is to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on the storm that rages around us. With that said, I do believe the supernaturalness, Jeff, of the gospel is I know a lot of people try to do away with the supernaturalness of the gospel, but to do away with the supernatural arm of God is to do away with the gospel. The born-again yeah. experience, which we all know is the greatest miracle, yeah. the born-again experience itself. But also the other super to the other part of the kingdom of God is it's supernatural. And I yeah. pray that if we have I keep our eyes <clears throat> on Jesus, yeah, we'll be able to walk on water, which means to do supernatural stuff, defy the natural elements of this earth, if you will, if we keep our eyes on Jesus. There again, not the storm but on Jesus. Well, Mr. Roland, we've went way over time this morning, but it's okay. It's not, it's not bad at all. Okay. We said what we had to say and we got more to say tomorrow. So yes, listen, absolutely. we better get off of here. You have a good day. You and, do the uh, same, Alan Smith. And, and we got through this whole podcast without mentioning that it's my birthday. So How I'll mention could it we here at the, well, we it's will because you, you would and have, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, you would have made you look fun good the whole be. podcast. 19 years old, you look good. <laughs> See, I, that's what I'm talking about. That's the reason I did not bring it up. Have a All birthday, right. Alan Smith. Thank you, sir. Talk <clears throat> to you tomorrow. I'll try to buy as many candles as I can, but I know that there won't be enough. There won't be enough. That's right. <laughs> All right, buddy. Friends like right, friends like see. you who needs enemies. Okay, buddy. That's exactly right. All right. All right. I'll see you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining today's Smith & Rowan Show. You can check out our website at kingdompropheticsociety.org and our daily unplugged podcast at smithandrollinshow.podbean.com. You can also join us on Amazon, Apple, or Spotify.